All right, Nick and the band, uh, thank you guys so much. Um, uh, all these men and women come out here early to get ready for all of you. And I just realized something as we were singing, how much I need you. Like, I sing these songs in my head and my heart, listen to them in my earphones, but there's something different about when you gather in a place and you sing them together. We need each other. We need each other to feel what these songs are inviting us to. And so um, I am so grateful for each of you that, that you're here. And you remind me that this works. This coming together, together in a place, God really does meet us and is present with us in this. So I, I hope you feel that. Um, by the way, we are entering the Advent season, which started last Sunday. Just, I, I want to know, how many of you have come from some faith tradition where you observed Advent or talked about it? Just raise your hand. I just want to see. Okay. Many, many of you in here. So you probably know already my candles are all lit, and you're probably all going, he's got it all wrong. Like, he, you don't start with the candles all lit. Um, they're on a remote, so I couldn't control them. So we're just going to let them go. And by the way, I would love to have real candles, but I should have you know that fire and pyrotechnics are not a friend of mine. Um, Debbie and I got this bright idea 15 years ago in doing student ministry that teaching kids about how Jesus is the light of the world, you know, teenagers, about 200 of them in a gym, and we go, hey, let's light sparklers. And, you know, let the kids light the sparklers, and we'll use great teaching thing, you know, how Jesus is the light of the world. Well, we had it all planned out, and everyone had sparklers. The one thing that we forgot to do, how do you put out the sparklers? You would think with a, a leadership team of 20 people, we would have thought of that. So when we got to that point, you don't blow out sparklers, do you? They just keep going. Kids were throwing them on the floor. We had carpeting. The carpeting was burning. One girl had her hair catch on fire because someone was waving it. I mean, it was just disastrous. And I had to go to our executive director on Monday and sit down with her. She wanted to know why this thousand dollar piece of carpeting that we had just bought was all burned up and I had to just play humble and go I am so sorry like we did not think about how to put that she goes how could you not think about that so um LED candles for the safety of all of us in this room <laughs> um advent you guys we live in a, uh, the digital age um we live in an industrial age and one of the things that is so hard for us um, to open our hearts to, because we just don't get enough of it in the world that we live in, unless you're a farmer, or unless you live somewhere out in the country, but the scriptures are written in these agricultural terms. And so it's so hard in an industrial world, in a digital world, to understand um, the concepts of, of just agriculture. But Jesus speaks to us in that way. These scripts, the scriptures speak to us in this way. So here's what Advent, I just want to start with this. Advent, there's this beautiful liturgical calendar that um, billions of people around the world, billions of Christians, they all are gathering today and they're talking about the same thing that we're talking about. Like this is, there are these seasons within the Christian calendar where all the Christians in the world talk about the same thing. So for me, tradition is important. Um, we don't worship tradition. 
but the kind, the living tradition, the kind of tradition that could give us life and can matter in the current time that we live in, it's something that we should open our hearts to. So there are moments for me when we should engage with the Christian calendar because I think it gives us substance. I think it grounds us in things that could help us live more fully in the time that we live in. So Advent is this, it's the seasonal time to prepare our hearts for Christmas. And what I mean by prepare our hearts isn't to get through your Christmas list. That's important too. And I hope the people that you love, you're going to go out and you're going to buy them nice things. But there's something larger going on. And uh, I want to just spend a few moments this morning uh, speaking to you about that. So here's what I want to do. I want to go to the, the book of Psalms because this is, was Jesus' prayer book. I don't know if many of you are aware of that, but when Jesus prayed, he, he would pray these Psalms. It was a very important part of his Jewish heritage. So he knew these by heart. So I'd like, I want to start here. And by the way, for those of you that like to know where we're going, I'm going to be going left to right this morning through the Bible. We're going to look at four different spots so you can count. And when we get there, you know, oh, he's, he's about ready to wrap this up. So we'll, you'll be at peace and go, hey, I'm going to get out of here in time to get something to eat. Um, and by the way, I come from a tradition. I was taught by my mentor pastor that always leave people wanting more and not wanting out. So that's always my goal. So I will do my best to, to do that. But Advent, you guys, we are joining Christians all around the world this morning, brothers and sisters. And Advent, it's simply this. It's, it's a word that comes from Adventus in the Latin. that means coming, the arrival. It's the arrival of a notable person or a thing or an event. And um, it's the four Sundays before Christmas. And like I said, it's a season of preparation. And this goes all the way back to the fourth century. This was started in the fourth century. So we're honoring something that goes way back into our tradition. But let me read just a couple things that perhaps Christians around the world might be reading this morning. This is Psalm 6, verse 3. It says, my soul is deep in anguish. How long, Lord? How long? There is this prayer at the beginning of Advent that starts with, how long? Has anyone felt that at different moments of your life? Something that you're going through, something that you're hopeful for, something that you're praying about, something you've been working hard to see happen in your life? Have you ever paused and went, how long? I had a moment like it this week where I, I, I say this regularly, how long? And then here, let me look at chapter 13. Uh, this psalm says like this, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? Has anyone ever felt that? God, have you forgotten me? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? See, Advent starts not with joy. We eventually get there, but Advent starts with this cry of the heart going, how long? The truth is, is that there are many people in the world that are praying that prayer today. Now, here's the beauty of this prayer. It's not a prayer that we pray to get the answer to in the sense of like there's a timeline. And I want to show you that this morning. It's a prayer we pray that somehow just in the act of asking it and praying it, something that begins to happen deep within the human heart and deep within the human being that... We're not always fully aware of that's happening. And, and here's what I noticed. 
It's easier to recognize it in someone else when they're praying the how long prayer than it is to see in their soul. I have friends who are praying this prayer, and when I step back and when I look at them, I go, my God, they are, they are changing. Like, they are a different human being. Through this struggle, through this prayer of praying this, I can see, maybe in a way that they can't see, that something beautiful and powerful is going on in a deep place within their heart. When I was preparing for this week, there was a particular friend that uh, is going through a divorce and is going through a really challenging time in their life. And I see them praying this prayer, but what they don't always see for themselves is that there is somehow through this, something good is happening. There's a seed that's being birthed within this human being who is praying that. And I would argue for all of us who pray this prayer, doesn't always bring about the answer that we hope for, but there's something really meaningful happening in that prayer. So there's something that's growing and changing when we pray this prayer. Some seeds are being planted in our hearts when we pray this prayer. Um, And we're becoming the kind of person who is actually changing the world for the better. People who pray this prayer actually change the world for the better because they are changing themselves. So there's a certain kind of waiting and growing that this text invites us to that I want to think about. But this isn't the first time that we've been here. We're not the first human beings to live and to be at this place of praying this prayer of how long and on hoping and waiting for things. Um, There was a book called Good to Great that came out uh, many years ago. It was a book on business. Anyone read it? Uh, Jim Collins. It was a fascinating book that I read and uh, really taught me how to be a better leader. But in that book, uh, there was a story of this admiral, James Stockdale, And um, he was uh, a POW in Vietnam. And I think he he was an admiral, so he's a very high-ranking person in the military. And his plane got shot down, and he got captured. And because he was so high-ranking, they would use him for propaganda. So uh, they were torturing these people. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to create these videos where they would show, hey, we're treating all these people good. So they got Admiral James Stockton. Dale, and they said, hey, we're going to put you on video. We want you to tell everyone how good we're treating you, but they're not. So you know what he did? He took a razor blade and sliced his forehead um, because he didn't, want to, he didn't want to do that for them. And then they put a hat on him and go, we're still going to shoot the video. So then he took a, a piece of furniture and, and hit himself, started hitting himself in the face to bruise up his face. Um, he did not want to play into their propaganda ploy. But anyways, seven and a half years he was captured. And then he was set free and um, got back to his family. But in this book, he writes about, because uh, Jim Collins was asking him, what? How, how do you survive something like that? How do you get through something like that? And here's what he said. And I think this is important to this how long prayer. I never lost faith in the end of the story. I never doubted not only that I'd get out, but also that I'd prevail in the end and turn the experience into the defining event of my life, which in retrospect, I would not trade. That's hard for many of us in here to grasp. But for people who pray this prayer of how long, a seed is planted. They get from the place that's something that could be so unspeakably horrible, and yet they could go, in retrospect, I would not trade. So Jim Collins, he goes on to ask him, okay, so that's how you got through. Somehow you faced the brutal facts, but you held on to faith. Well, who didn't make it? And he says it was the optimist 
who didn't make it. Now listen, you think this guy is an optimist, but he says there's something different. These people, they would set arbitrary deadlines. They would go, we're gonna get out by Christmas. And they would hope in that. And then Christmas would come and they wouldn't get out. Then they'd go, we're gonna get out by Easter. And then Easter would come and they wouldn't get out. And he goes, then it would be Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving would come and they wouldn't get out. And he said, they eventually died of a broken heart because there was this arbitrary uh, optimism that they were pointing their hope toward. And then he went on to say this. He said, you must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. Advent for Christians is for us to go, what is the brutal reality that we're facing in our lives? Um, Because some of it is global. There's things that are not right in the world globally. There are things that are not right politically. There are things that are not right locally in the city that we live in. But today I want to talk, there are, there are things that aren't right personally. And that's where I want to just spend a few moments this morning. Personally, that ache, that longing in each of our hearts where there's something that needs to be healed, something that needs to be made right, something that we've been giving our lives and our energy and our gifts and our love to, and yet it just seems like it's evading us and it's so hard to bring about. Advent is about first and foremost dealing with the brutal facts and the reality of that. And then bringing that into the presence of this living God through a how long, Lord. Nick invited us into this prayer. It's a prayer that turns our hearts and our attention upward or inward where God is and going, how long? So here's what I would say. The power of that prayer is where it's pointed to. Because it could just be you know, throwing things around your house going, how long? But this is a prayer that's pointed toward a God who loves us and who probably desires many of those same things to be made right in our hearts. That's what Advent is all about. I hope, and I want us to think about this, hope for me is becoming more and more the kind of person that can find hope exactly as things are right now. That And I'm trying to grow into that. And I don't think I could do it apart from praying this kind of prayer. How long, Lord? So there is great power in that kind of prayer. And the scriptures invite us to it. Okay, so um, I want to look at in Isaiah. We're moving to our third scripture here. Um, There is a gem right here in the middle of the Bible. This is the first of the Hebrew prophets. And just a couple observations about Isaiah that I want us to think about. Um, these uh, Israelite people, they, uh, you know, they were slaves and then God delivers them out of slavery and he makes them a nation. And here's what they do. The very same way that they were being treated as they were slaves, at some point, they begin to treat other people like that. God says, I'm going to make you a great nation, but you're going to be a blessing to everyone else. Well, somewhere along the way, they begin to think, hey, it's just about us. And they began to live in the same way toward others in the way that held them captive at some point. So there is this long story throughout the scripture of God delivering them and them becoming the thing that they were just delivered out of. Hmm, isn't that 
funny. Because like that is true about all of them and couldn't be true about any of us here in this room. The truth is that I find myself here a lot of times delivered out of something or being set free in some way. And then once I get a little ways beyond it, I find myself maybe treating others in a way that was unhelpful to me when I was going through that. So here's what's happening. There is this pre-exile where they were a nation and then they are no longer a nation. They go into exile and there's this warning in the scriptures here that they're capable of destroying themselves. Like if they don't pay attention um, to how they're living and how they're being these people, that they actually can destroy the very thing that was given to them as a gift. And then there's this time of exile where they lose everything and now they have to face the consequences of everything that they have done. And then there's this post-exile, which is where this portion I'm about to read you was written, and it's their, re- their lives are being rebirthed, and um, they are given a new chance to rebuild and to um, redo it all over again. So this is being written to them at this time. They didn't listen to the prophet at the beginning with all the consequences. Hey, you're going to wreck this thing. You're going to go off the rails if you don't pay attention. They go off and they lose everything. And then they have to face the consequences. That's a lot of what this writing is about. And now it's, we're going to rebuild our lives. And so here's what I want to just read to you out of Isaiah 64.1. says this. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That the mountains would tremble before you. This is the prayer of this people. Now it's like, all right, God, we've forgotten you along the way. um, And we probably didn't listen and we're paying attention like we should have been. But God, we're at a moment now where if this thing is going to be rebirth, would you rend the heavens? That's not a word we use a whole lot, rend. You know what that means? To tear apart, to break open. There is this breaking open of heaven. It's the prayer of all of us. And we want that heaven to come and we wanted to shake the mountains because we have mountains in our lives. We have things that we need to be made right. So we want heaven to open up and come to bear on our lives in some meaningful way. So can you relate to this? Something's wrong. Something's not right, whether it's in the world that we live in or whether it's in me. And my prayer is, God, could you come to me? Could you come to us and in some way, can you help make this right? That is the prayer of these people. So here's the thing. We have to care for our own well-being. We need the heavens to open up for that. We have to care for each other as a community. Suicide and mental health is on a rise right now. Um, we have brothers and sisters, beloved brothers and sisters that are wrestling with addictions So Advent is about the brutal honesty, the brutal facts. What do we need to rend the heavens on? What what do we need to come to our lives and to our world and bring healing and health and well-being? Advent is is a season to bravely and tenderly carry that together in a community and then to look and see how God enters into it in some way. Okay, one last text. Now, this is the prayer of these, uh, uh, this prophet here. And I want to show you something in Matthew, which is uh, the first written gospel. Now, knowing that their prayer was, God, rend the heavens. 
Now listen to this, and I want you to see the connection between uh, what happens here in this gospel and, and what, Jesus, what happens for Jesus. But at the very beginning of this gospel, and this tells us a little bit of how God enters our lives, um, in uh, verse 1 it says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. So there's a connection. Now we're, this gospel is being written um, out of the stream of what we just read. And then in verse 9 it says, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now listen, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. Rend the heavens torn open, breaking open. Jesus saw the heavens torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. Now listen, because this tells us a little about something when God rents the heaven, how he comes to us. A voice came from heaven. It said, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Advent starts here. It starts with an invitation to rend the breaking of heaven open on our lives. And what we hear is love. We hear a voice of love upon whatever is broken within us, whatever is broken in the world. And it's actually that voice of love that can help us move forward in some way. The energy energizing the universe is a God who loves and he wants flourishing and well-being for every human being including you, including me. So this Advent prayer of opening the heavens shouldn't be one that brings fear. Um, it should be one that we begin to hear the voice of love in our lives going, I'm going to help make it better. And you just have to trust it. You just have to continue to hear that voice of love saying, in you, even in your brokenness, I'm well pleased because you are someone that I made and someone that I created. So no fear in this season of rending the heavens and heaven being poured out on us. It's one that brings love and healing to our lives and helps us get there. One last thing, and this is it. A question. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting for? Just pause for a moment. Maybe it's a couple things. But maybe there's just one that your heart is waiting for. And it's been a prayer. It's been a struggle. What is it? And I want you to hear these words out of, Roman, out of Romans chapter 8. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing within us. That desire to face the brutal facts, that hope that maybe this can be dealt with, it's the Spirit of God arousing within you. We are also feeling the birth pangs. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us. I'll, I want to 
Read that again. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. As many of you mother in here, mothers in here have given birth, or you wouldn't be a mother, right? <laughs> um, and you know the struggle in that. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's spirit is right alongside, helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, which is true for many of us when we're in these moments, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs and our aching groans. Has anyone ever, ever been so broken that you don't even know what to pray? Or you prayed everything that you can think of to pray, and now it's just, oh, this aches. It's just a, a moaning. Like, I don't know what to do with this. This text says, that is a prayer. That is a prayer. And there's power in that all by itself. He does our praying in us and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs and ignorance. He knows far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition, and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be sure that every detail of our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Romans 8. I read it out of the Message Bible, but you can go back and read that for yourself. How do we wait? Here it is. We wait together. We wait together. That's what this Advent season is about. We wait together. I know we're all holding something that we're waiting on. And I just want you to know you don't have to hold it alone. And when we gather in community, we begin to talk about it, we hold it together in some beautiful way. And whether you fully realize it or not, just being here is a prayer in itself. In a community of support, celebration, and affirmation of that which has already begun. And I remember earlier I said my friend that prays that, how long, Lord, prayer? Um, and what I'm seeing in him, I'm seeing something that's beginning that he can't see. And I tell him all the time, I know it feels like this is the most broken place you could be, but I gotta tell you, I see something in you. And so it's the support of community, of friends, of the affirmation of that whatever is going on, something is beginning and we need each other to see it. So, waiting together and nurturing what has already begun, I would say it's this. It's the meaning of a marriage. It's the meaning of a friendship. It's the meaning of, of being in community. And yes, it is the meaning of the Christian life to wait and nurture these kinds of things together. So, this Advent season, yes, the candles are lit. And um, we're, gonna, we're not going to be able to fully do Advent this year because we started late. But if we could just start here, Advent is what, is, what is it that we're hoping for? What is it that we're waiting for? And how can we hold that together in some way that gets us through? Um, if this in any way um, brings up something you want to talk about it, I'm back here at the back. You see where it says community care with the, the heart back there by the back door. Colleen, wave right there. Colleen will be back there. Um, I'm available. Karen is right here. We would love to just talk or, or say a prayer with you. Um, but don't, don't carry it alone. Um, 
May we be the ones who hope. May we be the ones who bravely look at things exactly as they are and invite God's presence into the midst of it with an open heart that it can matter and it could help. May we be the kind of people who hope for a better world and believe the scriptures that say God has not had the last word and that ultimately things will be made right and things will be healed. And in the waiting of that, may we be the kind of people who are living it and practicing that future now. May the grace and the peace of God be with us as we move toward Christmas. And if we will face the brutal reality of our lives, I promise, singing for joy and experiencing joy will be more real on Christmas Day. May the peace and the love of God be with you all this Christmas season. Amen.